friends, this morning we're going to hear scripture, maybe in a different way than we've heard it before, woven through with some music. Uh, when I looked at the lections for this particular Sunday, Old and New Testament, they came together in a kind of theme around voice and around children. Do not say, I'm only a child. And I invite you now, we're going to sing, but we're also going to hear scripture read. We're going to put them in dialogue, and then we're going to reflect together on what we heard. I'm going to sing for you first, and then invite you to join me. Do not say, I am only a child. Do not stay silent, afraid, overwhelmed by God's Trust the one who claimed you at birth and who bids you speak with boldness, love, and power. Echo after me, friends. Do not say, I am only a child. Sing that with me. Do not say, I am only a child. Stay silent, afraid, overwhelmed by God's call. Do not stay silent, afraid, overwhelmed by God's call. Oh, listen. But trust the one who claimed you at birth. Try that. But trust the one who claimed you. time together. Do not say. Do not say. I am only a child. Do not stay silent. Jeremiah 4, verses 4 through 6. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a child. Luke 4, 16 to 17. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. Let's sing. Do not say, I am only a child. Do not say, silent, Trust the 
Jeremiah 4, verses 7 through 8. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a child, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. For you, O Lord, are my hope and my trust. O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. Luke 4, 17-20 Jesus unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Do not When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. Jeremiah 4. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Luke 4, 21 to 30. Then Jesus began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the words of grace that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote me the proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we heard you did in Capernaum. And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except the widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, 
drove him out of town, led him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Were there words, phrases, or moments in that melange of scripture which we wove together that resonated in the room with you? What did you hear, friends? What words or phrases, perhaps, from that lesson are still in your ears? I invite you to call them out. You can hold them inside, too. again. Child, perhaps. Others. Trust. Eliza. Peace. Time has come. So again. over the edge of a cliff. Grace. Physician, heal thy child. I will give you my word. Thank you, friends. I sometimes think that when we listen to scripture, it's still inside us, but we don't know it. We've just had it wash over us, just as we had those sounds wash over us. And this morning, I wanted to offer a very brief reflection. I grew up in a home where singing was like, I think, breathing. Um, I had the pleasure of having a father and mother who both were um, loving amateur musicians who had... Uh, really, again, not much professional experience in music, but who loved to sing and make music. So I grew up with everything from um, Dave Brubeck, take five, to a bunch of beautiful gospel music, to a bottle of contemporary Christian music, which we grew up in, in the Jesus movement in the 1970s, to my father sharing Hindemith and great, wonderful pieces of classical music he had learned in college. And so my life and my experience as a young person was bathed in this experience of singing and of music as like the water we breathed. And I tell people that the first language I probably spoke was music. Because music is a language. It is a way of giving meaning to life and expressing and giving something beyond just meaning, can I say, but emotion, connection, wholeness and fullness of expression and of personhood. 
And so that experience of childhood music making and that joy of that was at one moment troubled by my experience of struggling to read music. When all of that music swirling around inside of me as a seventh grader was struggling to show up as I would go to piano lessons, my teacher would say, no, you're not reading what's on the page, not getting it right. And so I almost gave up. I actually had that moment where I uh, almost stepped away from piano entirely. And um, thanks to a series of events I won't go into, I didn't. Thanks to my parents' persistence that I would continue and grow in this practice of music making, I didn't. And so I finally figured it out as we sometimes have to. I practiced again and again and again and again, and I buried myself in a practice room as a, remember, as a seventh and eighth grader, learning to play music from this big collection of great classical music, and I just put my energy into doing it. That led to a life in music. I ended up being very good at it, and it was something that I took to. But I had other times along my journey where I began to also come up against that thing that wanted me or almost made me quit. That thing that said, you're not good enough. That voice that said, you've not mastered it just right. And those of you and some of us in the choir and other parts of our community here will know that when you study music, especially classical music in a conservatory space, the stakes can be very high. Um, you can be walking a tightrope and it can feel as if any slip any movement to the left, to the right, could upset the ultimate end, which would be, you hope, success. Um, a beautifully rendered performance, that one sharp note at the end of the aria, or that one clinker that everyone remembers at the end of the performance, or that the reviewer remembered at the end of the performance and decided to mention in their review, in whatever periodical might be reviewing. Friends, my relationship with doubt, my relationship with my own sense of in, inability, my own worry that I was not enough has been part of my life since I was a child and since I was a young musician. And it's something that I have continued to carry with me and continue in my even life in the work that I do in spaces like this, that deep sense of wondering, am I enough? Have I done enough? Am I good enough? And I wonder if that isn't a question that also haunts us in our quieter moments. And it's a question that we wrestle with when we're quiet enough to, to find it. Are we good enough? And it, may not, it might not be music that's the manifestation of that anxiety. <laughs> it might be something else. It could be relationships. It could be our work what we're expected to do. It could be family, it could be many different places where we experience that kind of inferiority or not good enoughness in our lives. And so the journey of faith for me has been this song, which we just sang. A song that reminds me again and again and again that God has claimed me from my birth, from my childhood and has spoken words of belovedness, words of goodness, words of blessing over my life. And that no matter how and no matter when and no matter what I do, that undergirding love is ever coming up like a stream or a fountain from below and is bathing my life and my work in its overflow.
Um, and so to just start with this brief little moment of just saying, friends, where are you afraid? Where are you feeling insecure? Where are you feeling not enough? And can we now again sing what we just sang and offer this song to that question? We're going to come to another piece of this now. Let's sing together. Do not say, I'm only a child. Sing with me. Do not say. Do not say, I am only a child. Do not stay silent, afraid, overwhelmed by God's love. But trust. But trust the doing a lot of singing together over the past couple of weeks. And I've worked in congregations in different spaces in the country and different parts of the, even of um, the, the North America, and have found that there is a prevalent theme that I've discovered as I've worked with congregations in particular, with churches. I can't sing. I'm not good at that. I don't know how to sing, I don't know how to make music, or words that sound a little bit like the doubt and the sort of self, I don't know, self-criticalness that I know that I have applied to my own life and to my own heart. <coughs> and friends, the reason that people don't sing is varied. Some of us have had experiences where we have been told we're not good enough. How many of you have had an experience where someone has said to you, why are you singing? or looked at you askance when you opened your mouth to sing. I have heard stories. Yes, any, any hands out there? Okay, great. We've got, we've got folks out there who are, have experienced it. How many of you are in a high school or a junior high chorus? Maybe even uh, boys, or, boys or girls with changing voices and who had an experience of someone say, no, don't sing, just mouth the words. <laughs> you, we've been there. I, the laughter tells me this is real deal. Or we've experienced it. We've seen it happen. Friends, I'll tell you, every time that happens in a community, it is connecting to that place of not good enoughness that we all hold. And friends, then that excuse or maybe just that justification, I'm just a, I'm just a congregation member. I'm just a, I'm just a you don't want to hear me sing. It's okay. I'll just, I'm just going to mount the words and, and it, no, no, don't, you get it? There's a way in which those wounds, those wounds that are about not being good enough, not having enough, not having the right voice or a good enough voice, prevent us from actually participating in a thing, singing, which might actually be the source of our healing. That we, because we have been silenced or by others or silenced ourselves, stop participating in perhaps what is the most whole thing we can be body mind spirit voice bringing it all together in God's presence friends knowing that no matter what comes out it's good enough for God knowing that no matter how uncomfortable this disoriented we might feel in the process of learning even something new or unfamiliar our trying together to make something beautiful matters. 
that singing, the knitting back together of our body, mind, spirit, and voice is something that actually can help remind us and renew us in that sense of belovedness together. That we don't have to prove anything to anyone, but we can simply be what we are and can contribute what we have to this larger collective thing, this community, this sense of being together that we make each time we gather for worship. And so in some beautiful way, the choir, which rehearses on Wednesday nights, which I've been grateful to be part of rehearsals, is one community of love and of care and of singing and of wholeness. But, but when we come into worship on Sunday morning, friends, they are helping us to step into that water. They're helping us to go deeply into a space of participation. And it is our may I say even job, our role, our vocation, our calling to use that voice that we've been given, to share it, to offer it in love, sometimes in fear, sometimes in anger, as we heard even in the words of Jesus and in the response to Jesus, to speak our truth. The more we are practicing this voice thing, this being fully ourselves, showing up with what we have and offering it to others in love. Something changes, the spiritual DNA, the energy of a room begins to shift and change when we are collectively bringing ourselves to this practice of singing. At the workshop I gave last Saturday, I said, and I do believe this, singing is a spiritual practice. And practice is it. How did I get from being the disoriented and challenged, wanting to give up musician at, at seventh grade to being at the Eastman School of Music as a graduate student? I didn't get there through wishing my way through there. I got there through practicing. Practicing rudiments and practicing scales, but also showing up every day to that thing. And I couldn't have gotten there without that journey. And so in the same way, for those of you who might be saying, Paul, thank you. We're so grateful you're here. What a wonderful time. Wow, we've sung a lot while you're here. I hope we're not going to sing as much when you leave. <laughs> it's okay. I love all that feedback. What I hope you'll take away from this time together is that singing is something you have to and can practice in, to get in a community. You can do it together. And that your ability to sing, to make music together, to listen to each other, to respond to the leadership that you're being offered, actually isn't just about the community, but it's about you too. How you grow, how you're challenged to step into the fullness of your relationship with God and your belovedness. Can singing even be an invitation to know yourself more fully and truly loved? by God. I believe it can be, and that's why I do the work that I do. And I will say that using our voice and practicing using our voice is not always met with joy, as we heard in the, the story uh, from Luke. Jesus got to the dais and read the gospel, or I should say probably chanted the gospel from Isaiah. And what happened? People responded not with joy necessarily, but with anger and with resistance. 
And so I think it's important that we also recognize that sharing our voice and the work that's involved in that will not always result in sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows, to coin the, the term from the song. But singing can and does invite us into an authenticity, an emotional richness, and friends into the varied and challenging pieces of the human story, as well as into the joyful ones. Let's sing again, and then I have one more little story. Do not say I am only a child. I am only a child. Do not stay silent, afraid of all my loves I had a chance to serve a congregation in San Diego. It was one of the first pieces of work that I did like this, where I was alongside a congregation, and this is a community that had had quite a lot of trauma and grief. And as I imagined what might help heal, empower, restore some of what had been taken away by some of the violence and abuse that had happened in this particular context, singing became one of our lifelines. And so each Sunday, through first a six-week residency and then an eight-week residency, we began to sing together. And we sang simple songs, we sang hymns, we sang all sorts of things. And friends, folks who were sitting in a U, they, this was a congregation that had a wonderful U sort of shape to it, there were folks who were sitting on the opposite sides of the church who couldn't talk to each other after church at coffee hour because the church was so conflicted and they were so angry and there was so much history there. But one thing they could do was sing together. And I have to believe that our willingness to sing together and to push through and to make space and to listen and to, to pray together in the ways that we have practiced even in this time could be helpful for the long journey of the community that we're, that we're taking. That there's no, again, promise that singing is going to do something magical. But friends, I hope that through this time together, whether it's through seasons of joy, through seasons of conflict, through seasons of grief, or whatever you may face as a community, singing together becomes something that you practice again and again and again, and that it helps you deepen into who you are called to be, God's people, claimed, beloved, and known by God, and what you offer, each of you, individually in voice, is good enough. Practice makes perfect, and know that even if it doesn't make perfect, God still loves you that you are still welcome and your voice is still welcome in this place. Friends, may God bless us as we become the people we're called to be, as we claim the voice that we have been given, as we live in love and in power and in fullness together. Let's sing one last time.
Try. 